Welcome to the Sermon Audio Podcast of Hill Country Bible Church, Georgetown. The podcast bringing you biblical messages that encourage you to put Christ at the center of everyday life. We're here to help you engage in the local church and to invite you into a life that matters through Jesus. If you have any questions about your next step, visit us online at hillcountry.life. And now for today's message. All right, good morning, everybody. Uh, thanks so much for being here, and thanks to all of you that are online as well, uh, joining us uh, through the computer screen. Uh, we appreciate all of you, and glad you're able to be here as well. Now, um, just before we get started, wanted to let you know, Pastor Brian was supposed to be up here this morning, uh, but he's feeling sick uh, with, most. it's most likely COVID, um, and so he wanted to let you know that, and uh, he's awaiting a test, but please be praying for him. Uh, he would really appreciate the prayers right now, and uh, hopefully he's uh, back up and running, and we'll see him next week. Um, now, as we uh, get get started this morning. If you're new with us, this is a great week to be here. Uh, last week, we started this, this series called The Invisible War, and we're making the case that there is something going on beyond the physical. There's, there's something going on be, beyond whatever battle it is that you're facing right now, that there's an invisible reality that has a direct impact on the visible. And because angels and demons are real, because Satan is real, and he wants nothing more than to destroy you, as a first step, we challenged you last week to, to pray, because Satan's primary tool is lies. God calls him the father of lies. And so much of the deception that occurs happens right here in our minds. And so we said to, to start praying, to pray this prayer like, Lord, keep the enemy and his lies far from me and help me recognize his lies when they, when they pop into my mind. Now, have you ever entered into a battle that you were unprepared for? I have. Now, growing up, believe it or not, I played about 10 years of football, 10 years of baseball. I was a pretty athletic kid. Um, and... So when the high school wrestling coach pulled me aside one day in school and said, Jason, would you like to join the wrestling team? It could help you be a better football player. I thought, oh, yeah, that sounds good. Uh, you know, I'm, a, I'm in decent shape. Um, you know, I've, I've worked out a lot. I, I can do that. Well, what I didn't realize was training and conditioning and all of the things that go into wrestling are completely different than anything I had ever done before. And at least in Western Pennsylvania, kids start wrestling kind of like I started football as a kindergartner. And so they've spent years and years and years practicing these moves and training their bodies to do these crazy things. Now, I wrestled for one season. And it was by far the worst season, sports season, in my entire life. I got my rear end handed to me. These kids ate and drank and breathed wrestling. Now, I am proud to say I did win one match. One. Yeah, thank you, thank you. <laughs> the other team didn't have anybody at my weight class, so they had to forfeit. But it was still a win. It was still a win, okay? Now, the point is, to say I was woefully unprepared 
is an understatement. I didn't know the battle that I was walking into. I didn't know the war that was going on. I didn't know, understand the rules. I didn't understand the tactics that were, go, that were going into this. I didn't understand why I had to wear this tight little thing called a singlet. It doesn't even sound manly. It was the worst. Now, there were things I couldn't see. There were things going on that I didn't know about I, because I just didn't know. And the same principle is true for you. There are all sorts of battles that uh, we go through in life. And the reason life is so hard, the reason we have so many battles is because there are forces, unseen forces around you. And most of you aren't prepared. There's an invisible war. And most of us, we don't even realize it. And so today I want to talk about how we can prepare ourselves to fight these battles against these unseen forces, to be able to, to stand your ground and actually engage in this effectively. Because unless you're prepared for it, you're going to get taken out. You're going to get your rear end handed to you, right? And life has a way of doing that, doesn't it? Now, luckily, God doesn't leave us hanging in this. He lets us know exactly what we need to stand firm in this battle. And we're going to find that in Ephesians 6. And it tells us right off the bat, we've got to get dressed for battle. We've got to get dressed for battle. Nobody goes onto the battlefield naked. I hope not. Nobody, nobody goes and tries to play NFL football without suiting up and putting a helmet on, putting some pads on. You just don't go into a fight without being prepared for it. And here's what the Bible says in Ephesians 6. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand. Now, if, if you don't have the armor on, you're going to fall. You're going to slip around. You're going to stumble. It says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Now, we have good news and we have bad news this morning. And sometimes you get the choice, what do you want to hear first? Um, I wrote it, so you're getting the bad news first. Okay, bad news. In this war between God and Satan, people, you and I, we become pawns. Right? Satan can't hurt God. And what happens whenever like really bad people can't hurt the one they want to hurt? Well, they go after somebody more vulnerable, like kids. You want to hurt me? You go after my children. And so the bottom line here is that Satan often uses you in me as a pawn to get to God. He tries to hurt you. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. See, Satan, he hates you. He wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to destroy your career. He wants to destroy your finances. Yeah, he wants to, to mess you up. He wants to destroy your life. And notice it says that he has schemes. Satan is subtle. He's smart. He's strategic. And again, the bad news, he's way smarter than you or I. And so we're not really a match for Satan. And so the bad news, you were born into a battle that you were woefully unprepared for. The good news is, and this is such good news, you were born to win. You were born to win. And for those of you that have placed your faith in Jesus, 1 John 4 says, the one who is in you is greater than the one who's in the world. 
See, Satan's not afraid of you, but if you've put your faith in Jesus for eternal life, he's afraid of the one who's in you. He's afraid of God. Because when God's spirit's in you, you don't have to be afraid. You have everything you need to be effective in this, in this spiritual battle. You have everything you need. But here's the problem. God doesn't force you to put on the armor. He doesn't force you to put on the armor. You still have to get dressed for battle. And by the way, Satan, he doesn't fight fair. Sometimes, and a lot of times, he just places ideas in your mind. Satan's not uh, necessarily going to physically attack you. Everything he does in your life is through suggestion, through the power of lies. And so this is a mental battle. It's a spiritual war that's going on inside. Those thoughts those depre- that of depression or anxiety or, or anger or fear or worry, those may be coming from the evil one. Those may have their starting place beyond what's visible and what's, what's um, in our reality. It might have a starting place in, a, in an invisible reality. And so you've got to catch them in the act. Say, I know where that one came from. I know where that one came from. And we'll talk next week about the weapons we have against Satan. But for now, for today, we're going to look at some of our defenses. So in verse 13, it says, Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. Now, Paul is writing this uh, from a prison in Ephesus. And not only is Paul in prison, but he's chained 24 hours a day to a fully dressed Roman centurion. And I bet Paul is uh, writing this letter about how to deal with spiritual warfare. And he's looking up at this Roman centurion thinking, I can use that. I can use that as a, as a teaching illustration, as a sermon illustration, right? I can compare every part of a Roman soldier's garb and weapons and make a spiritual parallel to what every Christian needs in their life to guard against spiritual attacks. So we're going to walk through these uh, pieces of armor, and we're going to explain each of them. And we're going to do half today, and we'll save half for, for next week. Now, the first thing that a Roman centurion would put on over his tunic, or those are kind of like long johns, um, they, it would be his belt. And if you ever watch professional weightlifters in the Olympics, maybe, or sometimes wrestlers, they have these real thick belts that they cinch around their waists. And what it does is it, it gives them support and stability. It kind of holds them all together. And it's not just strengthening their core for the Roman centurion. It's also holding the weapon that the centurion's going to take into battle. So you can see that this is a, uh, an essential piece of equipment that, that they put on. And so Paul makes this parallel. He says, Christians, you need to wear a belt You need to wear a belt of truth. Verse 14, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. And the belt of truth will give your life support and stability. If your life isn't based on truth, you don't have a strong core. You don't have a strong foundation. And so what does this belt represent? The belt of truth represents knowing and acting on God's truth. Knowing God's truth and having a lifestyle of integrity. So the first thing you need to put on in your life is integrity. It's the belt that holds everything together. Integrity is living out the truth of God's word. So moral integrity, financial integrity, sexual integrity, right? 
all of these things, relational integrity. Now, it doesn't mean perfection. Let's get that out of the way. If, if we needed perfect integrity, nobody's got that because nobody's perfect. Integrity really is not compartmentalizing your life so that you appear different ways at different times in different areas. In other words, you act the same way with everyone. You don't act one way at home and then one way at work. You don't act one way with friends and another way uh, elsewhere. Integrity means what you see is what you get. What you see is what you get. You're not faking it. Now, the opposite of integrity, we know, is hypocrisy. What you see isn't what you get. You're wearing the mask. You know the truth, but, but you, you don't live it out. And here's the problem. If you lack integrity in any of these areas, you're going to be vulnerable to spiritual attack. If you segment your life and say, well, this is my church life and this is my work life. This is my sex life, my, my private secret life, and this is my social life over here. Well, that, that's a lack of integrity because you're not the same in all of those areas. And that's going to catch up to you. That's an easy way for Satan to attack and hurt you. Once a lie gets in, everything seems to fall apart. And we see this in the Old Testament over and over again. And if you haven't read some of these stories, you really should. It's, it's fascinating. But for instance, King David, when he lied about his sin with Bathsheba and sleeping with her and murdering her husband, all of these crazy things, like things didn't go well for him, to say the least. This battle is real. Okay, the second piece of, uh, of armor a Roman centurion would put on would be his body armor, a breastplate that would kind of cover his heart, and then there's another piece that would cover some of the vital organs, the, the liver, the lungs, the kidneys, all of those uh, sorts of things. And it had this back piece, but uh, the front piece was the one that gave it its name, the, the breastplate. And no soldier would go into battle without having some form of body armor on. And so Paul says, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, right here, covering our chest. And he's talking about protecting your heart, protecting your heart. And so what's righteousness? Righteousness is purity of heart, doing what's right. And so the breastplate of righteousness represents purity. And first of all, for all of, the, all of you that believe in Jesus, you have perfectly righteous standing. You have a perfectly righteous standing with God. And not because of anything you've done or anything I've done. The moment you put your faith in Jesus, God gives you the, the very righteousness of his son. That's why when God looks at us, he sees Jesus. That's our purity. But we also need to live out righteousness. Living righteously, keeping our, our motives clean, having a pure and, and right heart. That's what the breastplate of righteousness represents. And again, this, this doesn't mean perfection. Again, let's get that out of the way. Because what, it, what righteousness really means is when you do the wrong thing, you regret it because you want to do the right thing. That's a pure heart. And Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. You want to you be blessed? Live righteously. Now, the third thing a soldier would put on were his shoes. And a Roman soldier's shoes had these nails uh, nailed into the bottom of them. And they were, they were there for kind of grip, make your grip better, your traction better. And kind of like a, a football cleat or a golf shoe, 
if you think about that. Like, you wanted those shoes with the little nails in the bottom. Because otherwise, you would stumble or fall. No Roman centurion is going out in flip-flops or socks and crocs. They're, they'd be slip socks and crocs. <laughs> Anyways, uh, I may or may not wear those. But... Um, <laughs> So nobody is going out in the battlefield in that kind of garb because they'd be slipping and falling. You need, you need traction. And so the shoes here represent the good news of peace, the good news of peace. Verse 15, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And so he calls these shoes uh, the shoes of the gospel or the good news of peace. And the gospel, we know this, brings peace to all who believe in it. And so what Paul's saying is if you want to stand firm, if you want to stand firm in this battle, you have to be at peace. You have to be at peace. And he's talking about relational peace, peace with God, peace with others, and peace, this is maybe the one we struggle with the most, peace with ourselves. And so if you have conflict in your life right now, you've opened yourself up to spiritual attack. You've opened the door to spiritual attack. If you don't have peace in your heart and in your mind, you are not prepared for this battle. And so the third thing, the third piece of armor that we need to put on is peace. Knowing and living in peace. Now, where do you get that kind of peace? Right? The Bible tells us in, in Psalm 119, great peace have those who love your law. And the law is the, the word of God. Great peace have those who love this book. And it goes on, and nothing can make them stumble. Nothing can make them stumble. Love the word of God. Now, follow me on this. Just as a, a quick recap, Satan is going to attack your integrity with lies. Satan's going to attack your purity with lust. And Satan's going to attack your peace with worry. With worry. Every time you worry, it leaves you vulnerable because your peace is gone. You see that? And you know this. When you're worried, there's somewhere, some area in your life that you don't have peace in. And if that is a lack of peace with another person, that happens so often, doesn't it? If your lack of peace is about another person, that's why the Bible tells us that we need to go to that person and reconcile, be it, make peace with that person. So the worry will go away and we can have peace again. That peace can return, that we can stand firm. Romans 12 says, If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. God says, I, I want you to be a peacemaker, not a troublemaker. I want you to build harmony in life, not conflict. But he also says, and you notice this in this verse, if it is possible, I love that. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you. Some people, and don't nudge anybody or mention any names, but some people are impossible to be at peace with, right? You know that. It might be your mom, it might be your dad, it might be a boss or a coworker, it might be a neighbor. But some people are impossible. And you go, no matter what I do, no matter what I say, I just can't please them. And so the Bible says, as long as it depends on you, 
there are some people that you just cannot live at peace with. And if that's the case, be at peace with yourself in peace and at peace with God, knowing that you've done your part. You've done all that you could do to reconcile, to be uh, at peace with them. But if you have unreconciled relationships right now that you're kind of avoiding, you're just pushing off, then you're open to attack. You're wide open because that's an easy area that Satan can attack. Now, closely related to this idea of the, the shoes of peace is another thing that God wants us to do. And we'll, we'll close with this thought, and it's to share that good news of peace with other people. 2 Corinthians 5 says, God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. That's such good news. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. That's the, the message of peace. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And so we're, we're God's mouthpiece. We're sent out uh, with this good news of peace so that other people can experience that same peace with God, that same peace with others, and that same peace with themselves. Can, can you imagine what that would do to our world if people were at peace with God, peace with others, and at peace with themselves? Do you see the tie in here to the shoes? You, you can't share that peace without going. And you can't go without the stability of the shoes of peace. And that's why the Bible says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Now, a lot of people want to live in that peace, but they don't want to talk about that peace. We get deathly afraid to share um, this, this message of Jesus. Those shoes of peace that we uh, are supposed to be wearing, we take them off. And we're unstable, we're shaky, we're scared. Don't take them off. Keep them on. People need to hear about that good news that God's not mad at you. Isn't that good news? God's not mad at you. He loves you more than anything. And he wants the absolute best life for you. And God, I mean, we, we talk about this often around here, but God knows that nobody's perfect but him. He knows that. But he made a way where everybody's welcome. Everybody's welcome to come to him. No matter your past, your present, or your future. Everybody's welcome. And with God, anything is absolutely possible, including living a life of peace. And all of that comes from the gospel, knowing that we've been made right with God through the death of his son, Jesus. And just by simply believing in him, we can experience the forgiveness and the eternal life that, that he offers. Now, as we wrap this up, notice that these three pieces of armor are things that we should be. These are states of being. Our lives need to have a foundation in truth, righteousness that's lived out, purity, in the stability of the gospel in our lives. And if we're going to stand against the evil one in this spiritual war, we've got work to do. We've got a lot of work to do. And so what I want you to do this week is keep praying that prayer that we talked about last week. Lord, 
Keep the enemy and his lies from me and help me recognize his lies when they pop into my mind. But add to that putting on the belt of truth, putting on the breastplate of righteousness, and putting on the shoes of the gospel of peace. And we're going to be able to stand firm as these spiritual attacks are coming. Okay, we are out of time this morning, but this is a good place to stop. Next week, we are going to pick up with the shield of faith. And by the end of uh, these couple weeks, we will have everything we need to stand firm in this spiritual battle. Let's pray. God, thank you so much um, for this morning. Thank you that uh, you give us in your word a game plan. You give us everything we need to fight against the evil one, to fight against the thoughts that are coming into our mind, and to fight against the situations that we, that we find ourselves in that, that may have their starting point beyond the visible. And God, we pray that you would give us the strength and wisdom this week to continue to pray protection against the evil one and putting on these pieces of armor so that we can stand firm uh, with you and what you've provided. God, we love you and pray this in your name. Amen. All right. Thanks, everybody. We have work to do, so put on that armor and get out there. See you next week.